0: I've seen you working through these steps so earnestly, and you have not been completely perfect, but your efforts have been astounding to me. I see a different man in front of me today. It was hard to believe at first that these changes were actually real and they would be long-lasting. But now, looking back over the last four and a half years, it's incredible what I've seen, the changes in you, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you handle your emotions, the way you process through pretty much everything that happens in our lives, through the lens of scripture, through the lens of how much God loves you and that you have worth. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if it's possible to save your marriage or even if you want to?
1: Your story matters and there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast, I'm Johnny. I'm Emily. And friends, we've been where you are.
0: Our marriage vows were shattered by adultery fueled by pornography. But through commitment to recovery, our faith in God, and our hope for redemption, we set out on a journey of healing. Now our marriage is better than we ever could have imagined, and we give God all the glory.
1: On our show, we'll talk through difficult topics, infidelity, porn addiction, recovery, and more. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, Grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us.
0: Marriage is redeemed.
1: Hearts renewed.
0: On Beyond Broken Vows Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond Broken Vows Podcast.
0: Yes, thank you so much for choosing to listen. Before we get into our topic for today, we just wanted to remind you to get on our mailing list for your weekly newsletter, There you're going to get inspiring stories, some free training, podcast previews, and exclusive access to giveaways and promotions. So just head on over to insider.beyondbrokenvows.com and sign up today. That's insider.beyondbrokenvows.com. Also, if you want to leave us a question or comment, you can email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. We love to answer questions and pray for you when you write to us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com or you can go to speakpipe.com slash beyondbrokenvows to leave us a voice message. You can leave that voice message anonymously if you wish. And hey, you might hear yourself featured on a future episode. That's speakpipe.com slash beyondbrokenvows.
1: I'm excited about these new avenues for communication. I'm really looking forward to hearing the different ways that people communicate with us.
0: Yes, me too. I'm really glad that people have been writing in and giving them some more opportunities to connect with us in a different way. I think that's very exciting.
1: Yes, especially now that we're getting some of that worked out where we had that email. that.
0: Yes, that email issue last month. Oh my goodness. Again, we apologize for that. If you emailed us over the last month and it got bounced back to you or we didn't respond, it's because we were having technical issues. And so please go ahead and write us again.
1: Thank you, Emily. So last week, we introduced the topic of recovery most specifically through what is a recovery program and how a recovery program can help us and why we need one.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And so we're going to continue on with that through the lens of traditional 12-step recovery. As I mentioned that I myself am participating in Sex Addicts Anonymous, which is a traditional 12-step recovery program, And today we're going to be starting at step one.
0: Yeah, step one. Good place to start. What is step one, Johnny?
1: Step one states, I admitted that I was powerless over my addiction, that my life had become unmanageable. This is where we stop lying to ourselves for the very first time. Mm. This is why it's a very important step. We forget that in our addiction and in our misbehaviors, that the first person that we lie to is ourselves. We're also the first people that we hurt. Mm. And we often don't see it that way because we see how other people are being hurt by our actions or by the way we lie to them. So admitting this and understanding that we are the first people that we lie to is a very necessary first step.
0: Makes total sense.
1: In our recovery program of Sex Addicts Anonymous, We have our Green Book of Recovery that helps us outline the steps and where we gain a better understanding of how the program works and grounds us in the fact that there are measurable steps. At the end of the book, there are a number of personal testimonies, like over 20 of them, that really tell the story of what life was like before recovery and what is life like now in recovery. Great stories, very inspirational to yeah, read.
0: from men and women.
1: Yes. So out of this green book, I wanted to read a little bit about what it has to say about step one.
0: Okay, let's do it.
1: This is what it reads. In our addiction, we held on to the belief that we were in control of our sexual behavior and could successfully manage our lives. This kept many of us from seeing that we even had a problem. We told ourselves that if we had tried harder... We could have stopped, but our experience has shown otherwise. No matter how many promises or resolutions we made, no matter how strong our efforts and our determination, the behaviors eventually returned along with their painful consequences. Only when we admit our powerlessness over these behaviors and our inability to manage our own lives are we able to begin walking a path of recovery. Emily, this is such a good understanding of how to get started by admitting that we're powerless.
0: Admitting is hard, isn't it? It is. That's a hard, hard first step to take to admit that you're powerless. That's
1: right. Also, another good step before we get going, I'm going to go ahead and lead us off in prayer today. Oh, good. idea. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today that we can spend this time together. As Emily and I talk through this topic, may those who are listening be blessed by what they hear. May they hear information that is useful. And may you, Lord, use our discussion today to reach folks who need to hear what you have to say through our words. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be in our conversation and that you would transmit that message to the world that needs to hear of your love. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned just a moment ago, We are talking through step one of recovery, which again states, I admitted that I was powerless over my sexual addiction, that my life had become unmanageable. There are two parts to that statement. The first part is I admitted I was powerless and also that my life had become unmanageable.
0: Okay, so powerlessness and unmanageability are the two components to that first step.
1: Yes, we could probably over-talk powerlessness, but powerlessness basically says that I don't have the power over my sexual behavior, and I need help sorting it all out. That's that admission, and that I just can't do it on my own. Okay. The second half of that statement in step one talks about the unmanageability in our lives, and that's really the more practical things of the way we live our life, how that becomes unmanageable. The first thing that I can think of is lost time. When we get involved in our addictive behavior, specifically since we're talking about sexual betrayal and we're talking about sex addiction, the first one that pops up for most people is porn use, viewing of pornography and using it to manage our emotions. I'll touch a little bit more on the managing of emotions in just a moment, but we start to lose time. And the more we get involved with it, the more we're not managing our time well, because we want to go back to it. We want to do more. We're stealing time away from our families, Mm -hmm. our spouses. I was stealing time from you, even if you weren't home. As men all understand, there's a list of things we need to get to that are easier to do when our wives are not at home. And we're supposed to be doing that. If we're viewing pornography and we're masturbating as a result, we're stealing that time away and not getting those things done. That starts to become unmanageable. The more you get involved with it, you start moving into more risky behaviors.
0: Okay, so what does that look like?
1: Risky behaviors are those things that start escalating in the addictive process where you start thinking to yourself, how far would I be willing to go to get that dopamine hit?
0: Is this a conscious thought?
1: No, it isn't. But if we're viewing pornography and we're seeing what's free on the screen, we easily start to turn to the idea of this is the free stuff. The stuff we pay for must be at another level. And we start to think that's going to be worth it. So we start spending money on that or we start opening ourselves up to websites that could be risky, that could be full of spam, that could have viruses or trackers. So we're escalating our risky Behavior and risky behavior can continue in that if the pornography itself is not enough, will you start to consider physical relationships with somebody else? Mm-hmm. Will you go to strip clubs? will you go to bookstores uh massage parlors, or will you go to triple x stores where there's going to be the little viewing rooms? Are you going to start going to see prostitutes and paying for prostitution? So many ways that you can start to escalate. As in my case, when I moved beyond pornography use, fantasy, masturbation, I moved into physical relationships that I felt were quote unquote safe. Safe meaning that I was not very likely to get caught. These were not paid for relationships, these were loose acquaintances, a friendly relationship, but I could sense a certain vulnerability in them for wanting male company. They wanted to spend time with somebody, and uh, I became willing to want to do that. So it can escalate even further, and for some, into illegal activities. When you think about escalation, there starts to become a financial aspect to it, and you can even find that the amount of money that you spend on paid sites, or visiting prostitutes, or going to massage parlors starts to mount up. And you probably have to try to find ways to hide that money being spent. Where's it all going? In most cases, the man is the one who is managing the money. And he's able to hide his activities quite easily for a time until he has to start telling his wife and family that they can't do certain things because they don't have money. And the wife starts to understand that, wait a minute, that don't make sense. (laughs) We've always been able to afford that stuff before why not now? Right. The kids don't fully understand because they're just rolling with the punches and they take what you say to be truth. But in the end, that's starting to take its toll.
0: Yeah. And fortunately, in our situation, I'm the one who handles our finances. And so you actually didn't have much freedom to spend discretionary money on things like that. So that kept you using all the free sites.
1: Yes, that's right. If there was one, godsend in the fact that I don't Manage the money in our household was that I couldn't just go spend money. Everything was on cards and everything could be tracked. And unless I had cash, which I never really had enough cash to do those escalated activities, that wasn't going to be an option. Plus, my own personal experience with addiction was that I wanted to remain anonymous, I wanted to remain secret. And the more you get involved in these risky behaviors, the more you expose yourself. And I did not want to expose myself in ways that felt like I was going to get caught. Mm-hmm. Right. Although toward the end, my behaviors did become more risky, more just out in public. And that actually did end up getting me caught. The last part of unmanageability that I wanted to touch on is emotional unmanageability. So often, Unmanageability works its way out through the use of pornography to manage our emotions. It works much the same with other forms of addiction, like smoking and drinking and drug use, overeating, gambling, or even working too much. Our everyday life, family life, relational life, pressures at work, our emotions become unstable and we need a place where we feel some semblance of control. And our addictions give us the illusion that we have control and we tell ourselves, I can do this much and then I can stop. I can view it this one time and I won't need it anymore because it'll make me feel better when I get an emotional release. We know we get an emotional release of pressure that somehow we perceive as things are better now. I'm settled down. How many times in pop culture, when we see television or movies, when the star of the show is having a difficult time and it goes really bad and they just start saying, like, man, I need a drink. You got to smoke. I need a smoke.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. They're not managing their emotions. More importantly, they're managing their emotions through something external rather than dealing with the internal issue that really got a hold of them. hmm And that's what addiction recovery is all about, turning away from the physical acting out. That's where we get that term, the acting out. We turn away from physical acting out and turn inside to where we're learning how to manage our emotions internally through the speaking of truth, by exposing of lies, getting secrets out talking to somebody about the things that we have been hiding in our lives that nobody else knows about. And it's amazing how quickly those pressures start to disappear when you get those lies out of your life.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing.
1: So as we try to unfold unmanageability, we really find the number one place that we need to go to regain manageability in our lives is we turn to God. and We stop and we ask for help. And in 12-step recovery, although it's not exclusive to 12-step recovery, there's the serenity prayer. It just gets associated with 12-step recovery very quickly. Yes. We may not all know the serenity prayer, so I want to recite it today. And the serenity prayer is this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Again, because step one is the first step where we stop lying to ourselves, this is also the first place where we start asking God for help because we need peace over things that we can't control.
0: I like that serenity prayer. It sounded like a trite thing before we got involved in all of this, didn't it? It's just like one of those sayings or whatever. But
1: it looks really good on a mug that you get from one of the craft stores.
0: (laughs) Right. But it's become very personal and special to us. And we even commemorated it by giving each other necklaces with that prayer on it shortly after we started recovery.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And um, we don't wear those anymore, actually. I wore mine out. Oh, yeah, you sure did. But they're stamped on our hearts now. That's right. And uh, it's a really good prayer to implement on a daily basis.
1: Yep. And you mentioned having it stamped on our hearts. I use the serenity prayer every day. Even if I don't speak it specifically in those words, I have to stop just about every day and ask God to help me with something that I can't control. Mm -hmm. This world gives us many, many opportunities for things that we can't control.
0: That's very true.
1: The simplest thing is just human behavior around us. I can't control you. I can't control my kids or grandkids. I can't control traffic.
0: <laughs> we can't control what's going on in the world in general like politics, uh wars, ideologies. We can't control what people think.
1: That's exactly right. And so understanding that we can go to God to ask for peace for the things that we can't control. But then to remember to ask him for the courage to change the things that we can control. This is another important facet of recovery. Yes. We have to make the choice to say yes to recovery every day. We have to say that this I can change. I can't change somebody else's behavior, but I can change mine. Mm -hmm. I just have to make that choice. And then in the end. We ask God, give us the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Right. That's so hard. I have to do that one so many times. It's like, I don't understand if I'm supposed to handle this myself with courage or am I supposed to be in serenity and allow him to take charge when I can't control it, just trying to figure it all out. And (laughs) when I sit down before the father and I talk to him about how I feel and why I feel that way and ask him what he thinks about it. Pretty much every time I get some kind of solution, if nothing else, just admitting something that I'm powerless over.
0: Right. And that can give you a sense of peace.
1: That's right. And so we come back full circle. So in our weekly recovery meetings, we read our opening script as we start our meetings. Last week, I talked about who we are as sex addicts. And if you want to listen to that again, it's a really good way to understand who we are as addicts. This week, I want to read the part of our script about how the program works.
0: That sounds great. Let's go ahead and do that, Johnny.
1: Okay, here we go. How it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. They cannot develop a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. There are those too who suffer from serious emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these, we balked. We thought that we could find an easier, softer way but we could not. With all earnestness at our command, we beg you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us had tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we are dealing with sexual addiction, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. But there is one who has all power, and that one is God. May you find God now? Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. we asked God's protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted that we were powerless over our addictive sexual behavior that our life had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7 humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other sex addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Many of us exclaimed, What an order! I can't go through with it. Don't be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guidelines to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were sexually addicted and could not manage our lives b that probably no human being could have relieved our addiction and c that god could and would if god were sought emily what do you hear when i read those
0: it makes me cry first of all because i've seen you working through these steps so earnestly and you have not been completely perfect but your efforts have been astounding to me I see a different man in front of me today. It was hard to believe at first that these changes were actually real and they would be long lasting. But now, looking back over the last four and a half years, it's incredible what I've seen the changes in you, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you handle your emotions, the way you process through pretty much everything that happens in our lives through the lens of scripture, through the lens of how much God loves you and that you have worth. I am just blown away by these steps and they are based on scriptural principles, which I love. So yeah, it's, it's been an amazing thing to watch and to go through with you really. How about you? What is it that hits you? I saw you cheering up when you're yeah. reading it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's easy for us each week as we go through this opening script to accept it as for rote. But every time I stop and listen to it, it brings tears to my eyes. Because this recovery program has brought stability back to my life. It brought an order and a process and a group of fellows that I don't have to do this all by myself. It's one thing to turn to you as my greatest ally in recovery, but I really need these other men that I work through this with. There's a shared experience that although you're experiencing recovery with me, you have not experienced sexual addiction yourself and how destructive it is inside the mind as well as the behaviors. And so these steps and how it works, what the Word said is been very powerful You just mentioned that you find delight in the spiritual nature of the program. And before I got into 12-step recovery myself through Sex Addicts Anonymous, I had no idea that it was so much a spiritual program. I thought it was very secular because of terms like God of my understanding and higher power. As a lifelong Christian man, I found these statements to be. And affront. And as a result, I mocked the process. I mentioned before in the previous episode that I believe that this might be at the heart of why God moved me toward this program rather than choosing a church-based program. I mentioned I chose not to be in a church-based recovery program because of my years of learning and knowing church speak. I could have hidden just as well inside of a faith-based program as I had hidden in the church for the last 25, 30 years and never received a day of recovery in my life. But through this program, it puts me into a position where I have to confront myself. I have to admit my wrongs and I have to allow God to help me sort those two things out. And so I'm so grateful for it. But what I wanted to say to those who find themselves in the same mindset that I did, mocking 12-step recovery or thinking God is not in this because he can't bless it when somebody calls them a God of our understanding or refers to him as a higher power. These words that I just read talk about spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. It mentions a couple of times about it being a spiritual program of recovery, because from beginning to end, from step one to step 12, every one of them points you to the need to surrender yourself to somebody bigger than you. You can't do it alone. And I encourage the Christian man out there today, or even the Christian wife who doesn't understand this, if your husband makes a choice for this program, let him do it. He will find an honesty, an openness, and a vulnerability among the fellowship of these men that he's not going to find anywhere else, because we can still hide inside of our church contexts. I'm not trying to say that they're not good programs inside churches, but for us Christian men who've done it for a long time, we can hide easily in them.
0: Johnny, that's a great word from you. How about a great word from God? We have one of those today, right?
1: Those are actually our favorite parts. We can talk all day long and say nice things. God always finds a way of saying it in such concise ways that always are so much more powerful. So what I have for us today is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 out of the NIV. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Emily, I really enjoy these words because as addicts, we lack the confidence to go to God. We're so swallowed up, wallowing in our self-pity and in our shame and our guilt that we have this unrealistic expectation that we need to clean ourselves up before we can go to God. We forget that it's God that we go to to clean us up. The whole point of the program is that we can't do it by ourselves. (laughs) And I hope that those of you who are listening today will hear that from me. My whole life, 40 years as a porn and sex addict, I couldn't get control of this myself. It was only through surrender to Jesus. Even though I had given my life to him 30 years ago, I was willing to accept the salvation of Jesus through his obedience to the cross, but I did not allow him to be Lord of my life through the resurrection. Resurrection is new life. How can I expect to find a new life if I'm not willing to receive his lordship? Now he has all of me. That's what it means for me to have him as my Lord. There's no part of me that he doesn't have. And that's so important to me. So that was the word, Emily. But here's the hope. If you find yourself stuck in an addiction and you're ready to start a recovery program, I just want to say this to you. Be gentle with yourself. Remember, the first person that you lied to was you. And the first person that you hurt was yourself. Did other people get hurt in the process? Yes. And they are no less important. But if your pain began with you, you can turn to God. And you can find healing through him.
0: Amen. Johnny, that's incredible. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. No. And that's why we need to ask God's help every day.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: So I'm going to just go ahead and pray for us right now before we end our chat today. God, we love you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. You've given everything of yourself to us, and you're just asking for that in return. And it is so difficult to do in our humanness, but you can Mm -hmm. give us the courage and the strength that we need to turn every part of our lives over to you. Not just the ones that we've cleaned up and presented to you on a shiny platter. But all the dirty, messy, broken parts of us that we're embarrassed of, ashamed of. Those are the ones that you really want from us, God. And So we ask that you help us daily to turn those things in our lives that we can't manage over to you. Over to those gentle, strong hands that only want to give us life. And life abundantly. So we thank you, Father, for all you've done, all you are doing, and what you will do in the future for those who turn their lives over to you and surrender completely. I pray for those who are listening today, Father, that you would just give them a sense of your peace as they seek you and your will for their life, for their marriage, that they would come to understand that surrender is the first step in freedom. Thank you so much for being with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Emily. This has been such a good topic to talk about. It takes me right back to the very beginning when I talk about step one and the surrender and the admissions and how that can be done on an everyday basis. Yes. And so it's good to remember, I can progress in my recovery by going through all the steps, but I'm better when I revisit all the steps in some form in a daily way.
0: That's true. Okay.
1: So Emily, we have some exciting new news that's coming up. Do you want to share that with our folks?
0: Yes, I do. We do want to give you a heads up that we're getting ready to officially launch our coaching program. And we will have some incentives during this holiday season to make it easy for you to get some help with these things that we talk about on our podcast, help moving forward in your healing and your recovery journey. So we'll have more about that in the coming weeks.
1: That's right. And just as a reminder from scripture, as we enter into these recovery steps, may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: So until next time.
1: Marriage is redeemed.
0: Hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who's going through a similar situation and needs to know they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear from you with questions and comments. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. As you walk out this journey one day at a time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.